Hello and welcome to We're Watching What? I'm your host Dana, or the DHK as I'm known, and we had a lot to watch this week. We watched the Emmys, we watched Antebellum, we started watching Raised by Wolves, we also got some tidbits of Marvel news, and so while we didn't watch it, we discussed the She-Hulk casting, and we watched the trailer for WandaVision, and then finally, the most surprising watch of the week was This is Paris, which is the Paris Hilton documentary for free on her YouTube channel that actually sparked a surprisingly in-depth conversation conversation. We're going to jump right into our discussion of the Emmys. And without further ado, here's We're Watching What? I was so underwhelmed by it. The formatting was just so awkward. It was like being in a Zoom all hands. I was so uncomfortable. There were parts that I thought were, like, I, I thought they did like the best you could do. You know what I mean? It was yeah, like, yeah. But it, yeah, it's like, it didn't make me very, I mean, my second favorite holiday of the year is Oscar Sunday. So like, it didn't make me super like. What's your first favorite ha Halloween? Halloween. Halloween. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> Nice to meet you. No, I know. But it didn't make me like super like enthusiastic thinking about what the Globes and the Oscars will be like, you know? <laughs> I like that they just accepted that we're never getting out of this and that, you know, all future events are going to be like this. Well, and even if we get out of it, I don't think come early February, you no. know, we're in a place where you can have a crowd. Well, but do you remember that happy time in March when we thought it would be over by June? Yeah. Yes. I mean, one of the last joyful moments for me of this year was Parasite winning at the Oscars. And I was like, oh, what a wonderful year this will be. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're <right>. Whoops. <laughs> yeah. No, I thought it was interesting. I, I mean, you know, I know your fave, Kimmel with me being a host and stuff. Ugh. I will say I thought like the opening, the way they did that, I thought it kind of fell flat a little because it like, I don't know, it's just awkward. Yeah, I felt so uncomfortable. But I thought it was like a funny idea, you know what I mean? And I liked Jason Bateman in the audience and stuff and I thought it was, because at first when they just kept cutting to all the reactions of people in the audience and I was just like, what? <laughs> For context, he did the monologue and then they just cut to like previous archive footage. And it was as if oh, there was right. an audience there. For the first three, five minutes, it felt like. And he's talking about like, why are we even doing an award show during a pandemic and blah, blah. And everyone's like laughing and this, you know what I mean? And then like- Yeah, and then it does the like, oh wait, just kidding. It's just me here alone. But then it cuts to him in the audience. And he's like, wait, is that me? And then it like, and then they go back and they just have cardboard cutouts of like the actual nominees and stuff. So it was kind of funny, but it was like, it felt a little, I don't know. It's because right when he, right when that happened, the laugh track went away. And so then it was like, it's, I wasn't really laughing anymore, but I was like, oh, it's a funny idea. But oh, see, I, I found like, it awkward from the start. And I was like, are they going to do this the whole time? Because I wouldn't put it past them. <laughs> oh, yeah, this that the would have been, time. That, yeah, yeah, that would have been annoying if they did the whole time. But I don't know. I, I think I, you know, as far as like winners go, I think we've suspected a lot of them. I don't know if we knew shit's I, I didn't think, like yeah, I was really happy for them. I was, you know, I was like, okay, all right. Sure. I'm not upset by this. Yeah, I mean, Watchmen walked away with what, like 11 awards or something like that. I'm crazy. And I mean, good for them. And, you know, a lot of good moments. I, even though it was also another awkward moment, the high point was, was for me was probably seeing my uh, my Monica, Phoebe, and Rachel together. <laughs> I always live for those moments. <laughs> I just like that. I thought they life, were going to so bust out all the friends. I thought that was going to be the moment, like because like Jennifer and this was the weird thing to me. It's like Jennifer Aniston presented, so she was clearly yeah. physically there somehow, and I was like, we're not observing distancing. I find this very frustrating. Like several people presented live, and it was super weird. But then they'd cut to them in these, like, I assume they must have just had a bunch of green rooms set up and, like, they were, like, the set-up homes yeah. for people because like, Zendaya presented and then won, which, by the way, that was my, I think, one of my highlights is Zendaya usurping everybody and this means I have to watch Euphoria amazing. now, doesn't it? Well, yeah, it does. And we said that if she wins, she'll be the underdog, I think. And, like, I think it's more than deserved. She's amazing in that show. I really love her. But, I, but yeah, I, did, I didn't see it coming. I thought that was great. And she's now, like, the youngest to win in the category. I she is. Right? And she's also the only second Black woman, I think, to win. 
Yeah, yeah. Second, yeah, in the seventy second history, etc. I right. was underwhelmed by Succession winning a bunch of things. Once that started mm-hmm. down that path, I was like, okay, here we go. Um, yeah. Your boy Billy Crudup won, which was I, I you know, I appreciate. He did incredible in that, <laughs> but I, you know, <laughs> it, it was the uh, what was it? is the Doctor Manhattan's the, both the Doctor Manhattan won. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny. A very a good year for Manhattan. He's a favorite of mine. So. Yeah, like I don't know. <laughs> it was just it felt it felt really underwhelming. It felt not very celebratory. Also, I'm like, you can't do this for the Oscars. You can't be like, hey, well, I don't even know what films would qualify this year, but you know, it's like, hey, you, I mean, who, the people who didn't participate spoke volumes in the Zoom factor of it, right? Like Kate Blanchett didn't show up, Meryl Streep didn't show up, and all they would have had to do is set, sit on their damn couches and like Zoom dial in and they didn't do it. So you're not going to get like Oscar level actors to do this. That's, I think that's a very clear. That's very true. And like you said, the list of films that could be considered, it'd be such a strange year, you know? Sonic Sonic the Hedgehog for Best Picture is still what I stand by. Yeah, it's gotta be that or, or Tro's World Tour. Birds of Prey. <laughs> yeah. Well, we had, yeah, we had some stuff in the start of the year that was like, oh, fun, fun, okay, cool. And then it, yeah, it was starting out to where like the year was gonna be a good year for film. It, it was, but, and then, yeah. and then, and then, wah, wah, wah. Hey, look, if, if if Black Widow actually comes out, maybe it could ruin Best Picture. <laughs> no, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, I'll I, take it. I, I mean, at this point, the only big budget Best Picture contender is Mulan. <laughs> so, like, give me like Mulan versus Sonic at this point. We're doomed. Well, Tenet technically came out, right? So, oh, true, Tenet came out. Oh, yeah. Then, um, oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> so, it'll win everything. And then, I guess, you know, I mean, if Wonder Woman, they love him. I know they, yeah, but it, it, that's the thing. Like, are they gonna love him enough? Well, yeah, I guess. Do they love him enough though? Because he's he doesn't take Best Picture home no. often. Like, you know, he's not, he's not like you know. No, what I mean? like, but I mean, of the like, available, yeah, things that would have been released this year, yeah, it would yeah. probably be the closest to something that they would nominate. Uh, yeah, but I mean, there were a couple like indie ones that came out, like First Cow. I could see. Yeah, I, there was a lot of buzz around First Cow, and I feel like there are a couple other things that uh, I'm trying to think. There's a Maybe I'm thinking of shows, but I feel like there's a couple of movies that ended up coming that like, you know, were streaming mostly at this point. People are like loving and Netflix is kind of having a, a year of releasing a bunch of stuff and maybe kind of, you know, the, the controversy of like, should a Netflix film be a contender for- Yeah, Oscar? will it have you know to have I mean? an official like theatrical mm-hmm. run when you can't have yeah, a three- Well, I guess, you know, they could do like the drive-in method or whatever it is. And I don't know, we'll see. I don't know. I don't, I don't want to watch the Oscars like that. I don't want to watch the, you know, Golden Globes oh, like sure. that. Yeah. Like. I, will, I mean, of course. I, I would appreciate not having to do that because it it made me just sad. Like you know, like of course the first world problems here, but it just watching it was just kind of like, oh yeah. Like, I think yeah. I think the saving grace for me was that most of the Shit's Creek people, except for the sister, were in like at a party together. Like they kept cutting to their party yeah. and just being handed Oscars, yeah. and I was just like, that's fantastic. Or not Oscars, um, you know, and, Emmys and and Catherine O'Hare, of course, the high point of. I mean, she's, I, just, I don't know when Dan Levy every time he gets up and he's just like. Ah! You know, he he, he does the the David face, and I'm just like, oh, you're just your character. He was like, like wearing like a kilt. Yeah, so well, like he's a, wearing what he wears in um basically the finale. Yeah, he was wearing thing, and so I, I was great. And then it was funny. It's all the people like, oh, you know, Moira finally got her Oscar. Or, yeah, I mean, her Emmy. we're already we've already moved on from the Emmys. We're like Oscars vote. <laughs> yeah, I know. We're like we're too done. Yeah, but no, it's uh, well, well, all right. There were things I liked. I wasn't mad about it, but I but I was sad about the reality. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean, like it it made it feel very. A reminder of like, oh, yeah. right, you know. <laughs> I, I was looking on their press site and like they had like the winner's portraits and it's just like Zoom captures. Oh, yeah. oh. And you think about like designers and stuff during this time because 
as a you know I, I i love award shows and like you know again it's mostly like glow red carpet but i love i'm that guy on the oscar sunday i turn on red carpet footage starting at noon literally and i'm not like sitting there intently the whole time i'm doing stuff i'm usually having like a get together but it's on i just like watching everybody arrive i just love it and see what they're wearing and stuff i'm not even a fashion guru but just watching it and so it's interesting to think about designers it's not just designers i think the la times did this whole piece on the whole economy of award shows right drivers yeah. makeup artists designers security photographers all of it all of it is not happening this year and it's such a platform for them and like sports same kind of thing you know where there's so many people that benefit yeah. from it like it not being a thing is it was it's weird. it's interesting it's very yeah but some of it some of it makes me go like okay well it's it's built around such like a ridiculous first world thing but I'm like a Google yeah. limo driver shouldn't suffer because of that that's yeah. the thing. It's like we feel like idiots for complaining about it because it's like this is such this is not a real problem but yes when you look at that there are a lot of people who do make a living off of being able to put on live events and shows and stuff and it's like and they're suffering yeah i want makeup artists to still get work you yeah. know well and i want i want my movies to still get made i know they're going to but i you know i want my movie theaters to happen i want all the things to still stay alive you know because it's like we just these are things that we we know and i know in life. <laughs> you know. all right well all right i want i want to talk about antebellum briefly because this is something that was supposed to come out of theater and i think it probably was not a terrible thing that it was available at home. It's probably going to do better, even though I thought it was trash. <laughs> you might be right. It might do better at home. I really, really enjoyed it. I need you film. to explain to me why. I, yeah, I have to say. So I have issues, but to start Oh, wait, we're going to spoiler alert because we're going to talk about the actual film. Oh, yeah. Total spoiler alert. Like, this is something that, you know, this film's going to get spoiled if you don't watch it at some point. But yeah, here it comes. But essentially... I do think like some of the, obviously some of the writing and stuff like that was like, well, there are things and like moments, especially present day, well, you know, present day of course, but when, before all the bad is happening to her and she is with her friends and stuff, some of it, it was a little kind of like, oh, okay, like, I don't know if I buy this. Like, you know, some of the dialogue wasn't that great and the acting, I thought the acting was pretty strong, but like you can get a good actor and give them the worst script and then you're kind of like, okay, well, are you could, yeah. you know, cause it's like sometimes things for like anyone saying that's gonna sound silly. So I had some overall, like a little bit of dialogue stuff. I was like, oh, okay, took me out of it a tiny bit, but I loved the message behind it. I do think that, you know, in a time where I, it's getting old seeing these, you know, movies just over and over kind of rehash and cast black actors just in slave roles all the time, where it's just kind of like, do we have to see slavery again and again and again? And then we have to go and then the Academy loves to recognize those performances and you get like your Lupita Nyong'o and things like that, which, you know, 12 Years a Slave very strong film, but you look at that kind of stuff and it's like, when are we past where we can just start acknowledging black actors for just playing roles that are just people. They don't have to be slaves all the time. And so that's the thing is like, I want to get to that world. And so I could, I kind of look at it and I'm like, you know, the slavery angle on the whole thing. It's just kind of like, oh, we have to go there again. And some of it was so, I thought disturbing and graphic that it was, it was um, kind of like torture porn a little bit. You know, I could see people, it's just a little like, oh, okay, God. And so like that went a little heavy handed where I think you could have gotten the message you want to get across without being so brutal. However, I appreciate that the slavery component of the film ended up having such a purpose to serve. And it was so like, this is a commentary on how we still treat people of color in this country and in the world. You know what I mean? And I liked that. And I liked that it wasn't spoon fed. I liked that it just was like, for me, you, the whole time you're kind of like, okay, wait, what's going to go on? Because like, you know, it kind of makes you think with the, the setup being so like, and I'll give you that it's a little clunky. Like the setup being a whole 40 minutes, we're going to watch this. And then all of a sudden we're in what we think is like present day watching this. And then it's like, so it's very three act mm -hmm. structure, you know what I mean? And like, but I like that it, no, uh, you know, they, they try to set you and mislead you and think like, oh, 
she's now connected to an ancestor from back then that was going through that, but then you realize it's actually her in its present day. And you see the Jordan Peele, the Get Out influences, things like that, obviously not done quite as strongly, but I will say the thing I, I like the least about something like Get Out is I didn't like how spoon-fed it was and how many times we had to be explained to about what was going on. Like we even had to watch a villain video to explain what was going on. And I like that we didn't give the white people in this movie any fleshing out. They were just racist assholes. We didn't have to learn their stories and their motives. They're just trash. You know, and I, and I appreciated that aspect. And the last thing I'll say about that, I really, really, really appreciate the fact that you didn't hear one person in this movie utter the N-word. I really like Interesting. That. Not that like calling someone a cotton picker is a happy thing to be doing, but I loved that kind of, I have a friend who, for example, and not to shade Quentin Tarantino, but I have a friend who has a major issue with t most Tarantino films because she's always just like, oh my God, it's another like, hey, let's see how many times we can work the N-word into the script. I mean, I'm, I hate Tarantino, so I will happily shade Tarantino. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but it's just a thing where I'm like, she's like, okay, why is this white guy finding excuses to write the N-word into his script so much? And so it's a thing where that's a word, we don't need to be saying it. No one, you know, if you want to say it and you are a black person and you kind of take it and kind of give power to the word and say, use it how you want to and your music and whatever it is, I'm not here to police that. But as a white person or someone that's not black at all, like we don't need to be saying that word ever. And so I appreciated that while these slave owner people were in the movie and had lines and were awful and all this and that, we didn't have any of them say the word. Like that made me happy. Yeah. You know? I look, I, I give you the point on, I, I'll give you that. And I'll give you that the, the we didn't give the white characters any sort of backstory. But I think for me, it was just, it was so clunky. It was, I felt like it was so beat you over the head. I didn't think there was any subtlety to it because like it goes, you know, as you said, we spend the first 40 minutes of just Janelle Monet on a plantation being treated like a slave, working as a slave, et cetera, et cetera. And you assume it's taking place during slavery. And then fast forward to modern day Janelle Monet. Well, we, I guess we actually rewind to modern day Janelle Monet, and we find out that, yeah, she's this empowered, she's like a PhD in, I don't even remember what she was a PhD in, but clearly this like, you know, yeah. empowered speaker, she's going to a conference, she's going to talk, and then when Gabourey Sidibe shows up, who I love, I think she's a fantastic actress, and she just plays, they just turn into these super stereotypical female roles, and I was like, I feel like, that's in the moment when I was like, who wrote this movie? I bet you it was men, and it was of course men. Yeah. Because they deliver all these lines that are just so flirting with being the right thing to say and the right female empowerment and women of color, especially like black women, especially and and all this stuff. And it's, you yeah. know, I this is why we have agency and this and that. And I was just like, there's something very hollow about the way they're delivering this. It's just so cookie cutter to me. And it's not that the messaging is wrong or you know, I completely agree with the core of it, but the delivery and just the packaging of it was so off. And I was like, why would Janelle Monet agree to be in this? Like, she is a powerful, she has clout in Hollywood. She has clout in the creative industries. Why this script? You know, and I, I'm like, maybe somewhere along the way, just something went wrong for me. Or, or, you know, the cutting room floor or wherever it may be. But I, I found it very clunky. Yeah, I think, I think the answer to that question, I mean, obviously I can't speak for Janelle. Probably it is more about the point and the message of it all rather than the actual script. So hopefully maybe she thought for, for to your point, you know what I mean? Like, it's like she's looking at the bigger picture of kind of like this this continuation kind of of the kind of film that maybe Get Out started bringing in to the bigger picture here where we are getting these films that are really, I hate to say politically driven because it shouldn't be politically, but humans, human rights driven and bringing actually like 
aware, more awareness to like the privileges that white people have and the, the, the way that black people suffer and kind of these, these metaphors for, hey, there are people in this country today that if they could do, like I, it's something that seemed, even though it seemed crazy that they could get away with it like they were, it seemed like a plausible idea that someone in this country, more people than I care to hope, hope in this country, would, oh, would revert to, want. yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like the Hunger Games thing where like, obviously, you know, Hunger Games is a whole different beast here, but it's like, I always loved that dystopian future because it was always like, well, I could see this happening. Yeah. It's like the get out thing. It was like, oh, okay, I could see this happening. And it is a metaphor for we like to take, 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 and we want to be, be, be just like this, whatever, but we don't want to treat you like a human. We want to take from you, but we don't want to acknowledge that you are equal to us. That kind of idea, I liked that we were going to back into there. And I, I don't know, I think what I mean about the subtlety and maybe that's where it's like not the script, not the, the dialogue and like this and that and the heavy headed, you know, when you're talking about the feminine thing there, I'm thinking more in terms of, you didn't have to beat us in the head over and over and over to explain what was happening. Yeah. For that reveal, I enjoy the whole kind of like, you're like, oh, holy crap. And it was very subtle, it was like the guy goes to answer his cell phone. And you're like, oh, wow. And I even was noticing, and I don't know, but at the beginning when the woman is that running away and her presumably husband or boyfriend lover, whoever it is, like upset and he had the things yeah. around his neck and lasso and get her, the slow-mo shot of her running and she had the piercing and oh, stuff. Oh, I didn't notice that. She had a nose piercing. It was like, and I was like, wait, was that a thing like back then? I wasn't like, I was trying to, because you think it's slavery yeah. days. And I loved that. that. Like looking back, I'm like, oh, that was pretty cool. I was like, this is a modern day woman. You just put her. I in do, this yeah. Dress. Like the accents and the stuff like that did start to. Yeah, I and then the one who's like, she came and she was like, I'm from. I forget what she said. She's she like, was I'm from North Carolina. I know whatever. Yeah. Pregnant, and then she's this and that, and she's like, really devastated and doesn't want to lose the baby and this and that. And it's like, again, not that you'd want to lose a baby ever, but like my mind's thinking, okay, she's pregnant from a previous right. slave owner. She's pregnant from a husband or a boyfriend or someone or whoever in vitro, whatever it is in her real life, because you think this is all. So I liked that. And I will say the soundtrack had me just, I loved it. And I thought it was stunningly shot. I thought the cinematography was I think gorgeous. I think this is a movie that came out of storyboards for me, right? They're like, okay, here, here's an idea. We'll put, it's a girl, it's a woman, and then she's going to be a slave, but it's actually during modern times. And then we're going to put Janelle Monet on a fucking horse, and it's going to be on fire, oh, yeah. and it'll be great. And that's the poster. We're going to, the shot of her walking with the tourist, walking away from the crematory, yeah. you know, like, burning <laughs> over guys. It's like, yeah, that kind of like, you know, I have to say though, I, as cheesy as that last shot when she is riding on the horse through, I was kind of like, that was some eye roll moment, but I was, I was, I, I got into it. Like, I was happy. I was so happy for her. I do wish that... The other guy, Tongai, I can't remember his last name as an actor. He's great. He was from um, iZombie. Like, I remember, I was like, oh my God, that's that guy. But the other guy who kind of was her friend there, who eventually he did get killed mm -hmm. at the end. I was kind of like, okay, so I get she escaped and she's going to, of course, blow this place up. And like, all these people will get freed at this point. And she killed all the big bads. But it's this thing where like, I, I like wanted him to live. I was kind of like, can we like, some of them have happy endings? <laughs> can we, you know, instead of just, you know, like, it was just so like, such a downer. And it focused so much on like, oh, just be sad, be sad, be sad, be mad, be all yeah. these things. And I did, so I didn't love the feeling after, but I don't think watching a movie that's about abuse like that should leave you feeling good either. So, I, you know, um, but we could have used a little more high notes, yeah. you know, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I agree to disagree. I'll, I'll give you that you, uh, you yeah. convinced me that it had a slight more merit than I originally intended, but I still don't. I don't. Oh, yeah. No, and I, I see your yeah. points completely. I don't think it's a flawless film or anything, but I, I enjoyed yeah. it. I think we're also living in a world right now where, I mean, we talked about New Mutants and stuff. 
and I still stand behind. I enjoy that. But I think we're living in a world right now too, where I'm so desperate for new movies. I'm loving the, the act of watching a new movie so intensely that like it is helping me love them even more. And then I wondered, oh God, do I like Mulan less than I thought I did? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because oh. I'm just in these new movies coming. I'm like, yes, 100%. You know, like, I, I'm gonna look back at Mulan in six months and go. Oh dear! I already had mediocre, you know, mixed feelings on it to start, but it's it's gonna be not great. Although <laughs> Jackie and I were talking about this yesterday, I was like looking back, I was like, I don't, I don't remember the last Star Wars either. I don't, I don't remember. You you like you blocked it or? <laughs> I can that video. There's that YouTube video about the pitch meeting. That's hilarious. Shows all the holes and stuff. I remember the plot. yeah. I was trying to. I was telling Jackie like my my mom brought up. She was like, "When does Mandalorian take place?" And I was like trying to explain it, and then I had to double check, and then I was like, "Wait, Wait yeah." And then and then trying to explain to her what you know how how we get from the end of six to the end of nine. You know, it was just that yeah. that it was challenging on its own. But that's just because she wasn't paying attention, doesn't understand Star Wars that much. But but still, trying to explain. It, I was like, <laughs> anyway. You know, there are plenty of movies that I also see in theaters and that should have much more impact to me that it's, you know, a year later, I'll be like, what? Like, what yeah. happened? Yeah. So. Circumstances play yes. a big part. Yeah. <laughs> but because of the cinematography alone, I would have loved to watch this in the theater, honestly. Like, I was captivated by that even more than the story. I just thought it was so beautiful. See, that's funny because I would not have gone to see this in a theater. Like, had this been, you know, had it, had it, had it been regular times and I'd been, like, invited to all the screenings, I would have been like, oh, I'm yeah. going to skip this one. It's just, it's not for me. It's, I, I, I knew yeah. looking at the trailer, I was like, this is not going to be... Like, I want to support Genome yeah. but it's not for me. But if you're going to send it to me in my home, then I'm going to watch it. Oh, and to that point, not that it's like a conventional horror story at all. It's, it is, I, I still consider it horror because it's like, oh my God, like what's happening is a horror story. I think, really I think is. that's very much mismanaged uh, like expectations about it. Yeah, it's not like a scary, like, oh, jump thing or um, jumpy this and that. But either way, that's not as much your right. vibe anyway. At you know, all. so the trailer wouldn't have excited no. you either. <laughs> you know, not at all. In general. Right. All right. But speaking of things that do excite me, Raised by Wolves. Yeah. Do you like the little transition? Raised by Wolves has me. I don't know. I'm like, I, I find it. I mean, another one that's I think is beautiful to look at. I don't know. I'm into it. I saw they got renewed I know. already, right? Did it really get renewed yeah. already? I'm like, all Matt, right. You've watched all of them so far, right? Okay. So Jackie, you're on episode one. You've just watched episode one. I want to know, your, know yeah. your thoughts on it since you are. I didn't love it, actually. So we'll see. I'm intrigued enough to keep watching, but it felt very sterile to me and I think it's supposed to but it doesn't really I don't know it doesn't intrigue me as much when I don't connect to the characters very well and the religion thing just squicks me most of the time and I I totally understand that those are all things that are supposed to happen and I'm supposed to be feeling I don't know we'll see I'll say I think I was pretty in in episode one so just take that you know I think obviously you'll continue and check it I think it gets better I think it'll get to a point where personal drama is really more my thing being really honest yeah. and so since there was hardly any of that I mean none I disagreed you know none was super intriguing and not I mean her evolution into like crazy person was fun it wasn't predictable right? yeah I would I mean, give it I would I mean I, I would say give it one more episode because for me I think she the the main android lady is just I am obsessed with her she yeah, I'm into her. is just shaped so strangely <laughs> She's so tall, <laughs> so skinny, but also not. And I don't know, so, you know, there are these androids and they're rebirthing humanity and she's... Well, I, it feels like they kind of kidnapped humanity to sort of save them from religion. Uh, I don't want to spoil anything. No, I don't, think, I don't think anyone there is there against their will. 
Yeah, I mean, because it's, it's basically like for anybody listening hasn't seen it yet. There's two warring factions, atheists versus this one mega religion that wins out on Earth. And then they both kind of need to restart somewhere. And the atheists send off these two androids to go raise a bunch of embryos and repopulate a planet. And then we're following the android embryos and eventual children. And the, the androids to me are the most fascinating one. And, and the, the mom android you know, she doesn't have, her boobs are tamped down. And I think some of it's the suit, you know, I think they intentionally kind of do that, but she's just got these like wide hips and the way she moves, is just so fascinating to me. And I'm like, I don't even think this is, I think this is just how this woman moves coming from animation. I'm just like obsessed with her movement. I think part of the reason why she moves that way too, is to build that sort of uneasy And that she's inhuman. And I I love performances like that. Like I think, you know, Michael Fassbender in the uh, Prometheus tries to do it. And this is Ridley Scott directed the first two of these. So it's shared DNA. He's trying to do it. She's succeeding at it for me. And I thought he did pretty well with it, but she is blowing it out of the water. Like she, she's just, it's like, and I, that's what I also love about it is I love no shade to like all of our favorite actors and actresses and stuff out there. But I love how like new, I love kind of new talent. I mean, that moment in the first one when the sixth child almost dies, right? Mm -hmm. That that was when I was like, Ooh, you're really good. Yeah. Kind of allows you to escape. So good. When it's not, not to pour salt on, you know, wounds, but when it's not Janelle Monet here doing this, like it's like someone you don't even know. And it's like, Oh, well, it's like, so it becomes, I'm a sucker for this kind of sci-fi that's very rooted in also if I, you know, I guess should be otherwise it's fantasy, but sci-fi that's rooted in our world and our like very much kind of like, and it's like this, you know, the Wally thing and stuff, but it's kind of like, this is just a futuristic type of thing. And it's, it just finds it so immersive and cool. Cause at some point you think about what are we going to do? Because we won't be around, but well, you guys might not be, I'll probably be around but our planet will die someday. <laughs> Whether we stopped everything that was hurting it right now or not, it will die someday. The sun will die unless we figure out a way to like keep the sun alive. So what are humans at that time, if we're around or whatever's around, what are, what are they going to do? You know what I mean? So it's interesting to think about. I mean, about- at this rate, we're looking at like, what are we going to do in the next 10 years? Well, you know, not? like we're, <laughs> oh, this, is the, this is not the distant future for me anymore. This is like, not put be. me on that airship or whatever, airship, spaceship. You know, that I'll take you out. Put me on that Zeppelin. (laughs) It's just interesting though, because it's very, it's, it's real, you know, in that way. And I love that. So I love these future, these, these futures that are just kind of like theoretical, like, oh, what if this happens? You know, I'm a sucker for it, but you know. It kind of reminded me of, did you ever read Margaret Atwood's like Onyx and Crate? I tried to. I could not. I could not. Did you enjoy that, Mox, or? Um, in a similar way that I enjoy this, so. Like it wasn't, but not like, it wasn't like keeping you up at night. No, it wasn't. They both have that same quality to me where it feels vaguely clinical, but then it has moments of like emotion for me, but. I will say, give it at least another one because I think her, yeah. the main lady's performance, Android lady's performance, like starts to develop so many more layers as you get more into the, I think they just had to get a lot of the building out of the way in the first episode, which is always yeah. tough, right? Totally. And that's why I was like, you know, it wasn't my favorite, but I don't think, I think I'll keep watching. I think it looks interesting. What else are we going to do? <laughs> yeah, I was do like, I have, do I have choices in the media? <laughs> I mean, I watched Indian Matchmaker, you know. Hey, so. Indian Matchmaker was good. I it will was. not hear. That was, fu- that was fun. I enjoyed it. I won't love it. But it's nothing I probably would have watched in the before time. Oh, but. I would 100% have watched it. <laughs> I'm not sure it would have even come across my radar in the before times, but um, yeah, I don't know. It came across and I was like this, like on the, I was just sprawled out on the couch and I was like, huh. And I, 
you know, and I got through it. I liked it. <laughs> See, my reaction with it, I was like, how do I, do I hit the, have I hit the point where I need a matchmaker and then could not find any for like in the pair? Oh my God, it's not, it's not real, real thing? No, it is a real thing. But I was like, I'm not going to look for an Indian. I'm not Indian. I'm not going to look for an Indian okay. matchmaker. Yeah. Right. So I was like, all right, well, my choices are like Jewish matchmakers, which absolutely exists, but uh, not, not surprisingly less in the Bay Area than I expected. And I'm sure my phone heard me and like J-Swipe or whatever came up as an ad. And I was like, no. J-Swipe, you know? Yeah. <laughs> funny yeah mox I'm, I'm curious to see um once you if you give it a second one to go i'm curious to see what you think about it yeah no i'll keep and going then, yeah the first two are ridley and then i believe luke is on to do the second two i think so son, um which his son is obviously assistant director and does stuff on his other films i believe which um, i did not put together until part way through yeah yeah, yeah. so that's interesting you know because ridley scott it's he's he's one of those interesting topics where i think he's got really cool ideas and a really cool vision Sometimes I think he really, really, really is problematic and really misses the mark in a lot of ways. What was the one where like Sigourney Weaver was a pharaoh? What? <laughs> like it was it was Egypt and it was like um Oh, I, mean, I don't think I know about Conceptually, I'm on board with everything uh, you've just described. <laughs> it was it was extremely problematic. And I but I before I put my phone out, I'm pretty positive he was either producing or directing that film. But obviously he's responsible for Alien, which is one of my favorite films of all time. So it's it's one of those things where like he's done some amazing stuff. And I think this is a cool kind of move for him to back to like, let's go do this like series thing. And I think he's really well suited for it. If if that I agree. I, I mean, it, it basically felt like what Prometheus, I would have liked Prometheus to have been. It to be, maybe. Yeah. Interesting. I'm, of course, trying to find this, and I will. But, oh, gods. Exodus, gods and kings. Okay, so he produced it. Christian Bale was Moses. Joel Edgerton was Ramses. Oh, wow. Is Sigourney Weaver in that? Yeah. And she is, like, I just remember she had, like, this, like, Christian, like, headdress and, like, heavy, like, eye makeup. And I was like, oh. Um, you know, like I, I remember the ads for that and d did not realize that she was in it. That's how you would have run to the theater if you knew, you know. <laughs> I know I've by Palace of Gordon Weaver, like <laughs> she probably got me there to be honest. But, um, I just remember watching and coming out of that and being like, that was a problem. I see anytime there's like a really religious movie like that, I'm like, nah, I'm good. Well, and every well, and everybody basically, it's like the classic thing. And I, again, I'm I sit here and I actually really enjoy the the Liz Taylor Cleopatra. I, I think it's such a spectacle of a film, and I love it. As a kid, I loved it. But like, of course, it's problematic, and it's like, well, hello, like, why is Liz Taylor playing Cleopatra? You know, and I'm like, but then we move forward, and it's like, what was this like, 2012 or 2013 or something? And I'm like, uh, I'm pretty sure that was later than that. I feel like that was last time. And I'm like, why are we doing this? And then every person of color in the film happens to be like a servant or slave in the film, but yeah. like every all the lead roles are white people. Well, I mean. And it's like, and again, it's not shocking. It's not like we haven't done yeah. that. But I'm like, wait, but like, why? Like, why? It's, a, it's a step up from at least they weren't in like blackface. I wouldn't put it past some productions at this point to, you know, yeah. be like, like well, that's fine. We're not allowed to do that anymore. I'm yeah, sorry. just dirty them up a little bit. It'll be fine. All right, Raise My Wolves. I, yeah, I, yeah. I recommend it to people who like, you know, I think, it's, I think it's it's cool. Weird um, leggy aliens. Yeah. And, and somewhat like, you know, it's not, it's not like we haven't heard of stories in ways like this before, but you know, a lot of some original original stuff in there that I think is really fun, you know? So. Yeah, I think it's it's also like relatively well executed. Like yeah. it's, again, it's not, it's by far, it's not the most original thing in any way, shape or form. But right. I do think, I think the two androids performances are really spectacular. I kind of, oh, I don't like the kid actor. I, I have a hard like time with kid actors, let me tell you. I do Amanda too, it's really like. I even like, and I don't want to commit the sacrilege and everything, but like I have a hard time watching things like even Stranger Things and stuff. I think it's just, it's when there's too many young kids trying to, me, unless I'm watching like now and then, I have a really hard time. 
I think <laughs> Stranger Things I'm okay with because they're just old enough that they're like, they're, it's not a stretch necessarily, you know, like they're yeah. playing a group of friends for the most part. This is a bit more of an advanced idea, I guess. Yeah, in that way. and I'm also like, like, why does the kid have like a weird kind of British-ish accent when neither of his robot parents right. do? Like, how did that happen? <laughs> like, accents aren't genetic. That's not how they work. It is. It does in this universe. Oh, okay, my bad, my bad. Yeah. <laughs> I missed that part of the first episode. <laughs> that's my favorite. That's my favorite part of sci-fi is for the most part, you can just be like, mm, but in this, this universe, yeah. like, yeah. that's just how that works. <laughs> We're going to take a super quick break and be right back. In big news this week, we got our She-Hulk. Yes. Tatiana. I mean, Tatiana Maslany can literally do anything. Everything. I wanted my one like pause on it was I was sort of hoping it would be like a bigger woman, like a really tall or very muscular woman. She is not who I think of when I think of no, someone who turns into and and that's not. But the thing is, I was just like trying to think. I was like, I don't think I think of anybody right now. Although um, I know Stephanie Beatriz from Brooklyn Nine Nine was like campaigning for it. And I was like, that could have been. I could see that. But I was thinking, they. I mean, I don't know. It's always the dream, right? That they find some nobody that's like you know the perfect look and feel. Um, but she is just the most amazing actress and they couldn't be more thrilled to have her just because I love her. Yeah. Like I love her and I want all good things for her and all this, you know, and I will say not in quite the same way, but like, I don't like Mark Ruffalo doesn't walk off the page for me as Bruce Banner. I think it works really well. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I love him. Totally. It's one of those things where it's like, I didn't see this, but I'm like, Okay. But I'm accepting of it. Yeah, I'm accepting. Although I think for me, so I, full disclosure, did not watch Orphan Black. But in spite of that, I very much associate her with that. And so I'm like, oh, am I going to be able to, is she going to really disappear into this role? Or am I going to be like, oh. Because the answer is yes. She can play seven different characters on one show and you don't really realize. You don't really realize it's her. It's like, it's insanity. And I, and I have a funny thing with one of my really good friends. Like I got her to watch that show when it was on. And then I, for some reason, stopped watching it. So I never finished it. I never finished it either. She hates me because she's like, I want to talk about this thing that you made me do. And she loved it. But for some, and I really liked it, but it was one of those things where like, I was watching it and I was DVRing it. And then I moved and I got new DVR or whatever. And I guess I didn't set the recording for the next season. And I just fell behind and then never, just never did it. And so I don't know if that speaks to whether it's, I liked it that much or not, but I was enjoying what I watched. And I like Jack, what Jackie said, Tatiana plays all these clones of herself. They are so different. And it's like, she disappears for me into these other clones. I just don't even understand how she did it. That is one of those things where they're so different that I don't get it. I like, don't know. Is everything. I was just like, what is going on here? And you're looking and the face looks the same except for some different makeup because she is supposed to be her the same genes, you know? Like, yeah. um, so it's like, you know, and but she's just acting against herself and it's incredible. It's like, oh my gosh. So that's what excites me about it. But I think there's a difference for, for a character disappearing into other characters and that like, that's the show she's known for, right? Versus like me looking at her as an actress and like a public figure, right? And being like, oh, okay. I know you from this show. Like I associate you with this show. Am I going to be able to erase that and look at you now as be like, oh, you're the She-Hulk? Yeah. Right. And I don't. I, I'm. I think it's quite possible. I think she's very talented, and like that's not to say. But I'm just. That's that's more a, an audience hang up for me. Yeah. Because she's so strongly associated with Orphan Black for me. Yeah, that's fair. And I hope for her sake that she can do that for you because you know uh, we always hear about 
just actors, actresses in general, you know, we had like even like Emma Watson as Hermione and you've got even, even we talked about friends a little bit, Jennifer Aniston as friends. It's like these actresses and actors that like they do one thing so well and so mm-hmm. long that like they can't separate from it. And then well, they all they want to do is do that. But, you but I think we touched on it in Raised by Wolves, right? Where it's like, oh, it's nice seeing someone who you don't have any associations with, right? Good. Like you are able to clean slate. And that's not to say that she's not an established actress on that show. Like I think she's a Danish pretty well-known actress. But for us, at least, it was like, oh, she's new. I don't have any associations. I can look at you completely fresh. Yeah. I don't have that with Tatiana Maslany, but that's not True. insurmountable. But then, but then I also would say too, I, I think... Well, that that absolutely is very true. I think like when you look at Marvel's track record so far with their casting, I think that she is pretty in line with with several other actors and actresses who have been cast in these roles that now that role is what I see them as. Like it's like take it over. Like like I really actually really liked Chris Evans as as the Iron Torch in the bad Fantastic Four movies. Like I thought he played, you mean the Human Torch. I'm sorry, the Iron Torch, Human Torch. I, I thought he played Johnny Storm very well. I thought and so too. Yeah, I really liked him in that, and I, I liked things about those movies as you know, dumb as they are. But I really liked him and everything. And then he got cast as Captain America. And like, now it's like you hear of Chris Evans and aside from his recent faux pas, all you think about is Captain America. But is is that because the movie Fantastic Four is forgettable? I would say even Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool versus Green Lantern. Green Lantern was forgettable. Orphan Black, too many people is not forgettable. No, no, that that could be true. But then I think you look at it and you look at someone like Mark Ruffalo, who like, I've loved several movies he's in, or you look at even Scarlett Johansson. Like they got these people who weren't necessarily at the peak of like, oh my God, they've done so many things, this and that, but they had done some notable things. And I, I agree that like, you know, Orphan Black is a thing, <laughs> you know, where, but but if you have some kind of high caliber actors and talent going into these films that were already known, you True. know what I mean? Like it's not just like all brand new. I mean, like, Chris Hemsworth like, played that guy in Star Trek. You know, yeah, like, or even Brie Larson, you know what I mean? Who like she had already, you know, been, or you look at like the Netflix ones and again, okay, obviously don't trust the B in Apartment 23 isn't like the most iconic show of all time or anything, but watching Kristen Ritter go from this comic to all of a sudden playing Jessica. And it was like, and she kills it. I can't see anybody as Jessica now because she just kills it so much. So like, I didn't watch the, the B in Apartment 23, but I was like, I know her from Breaking Bad. <laughs> well, of course Breaking Bad, but like, yeah, like, yeah that was like, her. yeah, in Breaking Bad she was so serious with them too. But it's like that was her show. That's true. You that's know, like, true. And, and it was like this comedy, and it was so just a different vibe. And you're like, wait, this girl? You know, it was like very strange. And then, um, you know, you you have that, and then even like, you know, not everyone. He's not the most well known guy, but Charlie Cox playing Daredevil. I thought like, I really love Stardust. And I, I was gonna say he's just the dude from Stardust for me. But yeah. for me, as Daredevil, he's a totally different guy. And so like, it worked for me. So sometimes I think, yeah, I don't know. Or it can it can work. Um, and I think if anyone can do it, she, she could, but I hope, I hope she does. I'm not upset by it at all. You know, like there are plenty of the casting decisions that I'm like, okay, but this one is like, I'm like, oh, I just have such a like strong association. And then the other one, the other thing we were gifted with this week was WandaVision. Uh, Gifted is an understatement. I thought that trailer was so cool. Oh my God. It's so good. I'm here. Was I the only one at Comic-Con for the, this, this year? Yeah, because I was like, I don't, f- I don't feel like this was that much different than they f- the footage they already released, but it was just different enough that I was like, all right. Yeah, I, you know, D23, they showed some stuff and we saw the old timey thing and we saw mm-hmm. like little, but like, I felt like this was kind of like, oh, okay, so I see what you're, this is the story. And it was very clear. Okay, you, you see the House of M references. You, you kind of, you see the kind of stuff where you're like, okay, this is what you're doing. Whereas like- Like the first one, it like hints that they're going to go there. This one, it's like- it's so obvious that like she's going crazy and that something. Yeah. 
I'm also so excited that Katherine Hahn is in it because I think she is just fantastic. I, I mean, think she is icon so of the silver screen. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I mean, so much. she improves everything she's in. Everything. She does improve it. I kind of regret Googling WandaVision cast because, well, no. the, well, there are people in it who I'm like, how is this going to work? Uh-oh. Should I just say it? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I guess, so we've got Evan Peters, which means Quicksilver. That no, quick- that, that's not Marvel Quicksilver. That was Aaron Taylor Johnson. I mean, okay, yeah, that's true. This is WandaVision just pulling in information from whatever, but it says, it says Evan Peters and then it says Kat Dennings from Thor. Yeah. Yeah, so she is playing Darcy from Thor. She there was a little flash of her in the trailer, I think. Oh, I don't, I didn't see that part. And then we've got Randall Park from Ant Man, mm-hmm. and then Benedict Cumberbatch as Doctor Strange. That one makes yeah. sense, but but now that we know that she's going crazy, it makes sense to me because weird people are going to show up yeah. because she's created reality for herself. And then Tayana Paris, the actress, is playing an adult Monica Rambeau. Which is kind mm-hmm. of- so oh, I guess you, you're not a comic person, so maybe you don't know much about House of M, right? I know about House of M. House okay. of M is the one, one of the few storylines okay. that I am familiar with. And I think we talked about this as like, how do you rectify the next things? I'm like, oh, if you did House of M and you brought in Evan Peters as Quicksilver, that could explain away why that's the Quicksilver. You could, you could do that if you wanted to. Like if that's your way to be like, no, nah, we, we got rid of and the other guy. I love Days of Future Past, but I will say of, of those newer movies, the excellent ones, I do think that he is a standout as like a casting of like mm-hmm. the new, I wasn't in love with, I love Sophie, but I wasn't in love with her as Jean Grey. I wasn't in love no, with- she was him. wasted as Jean Grey. Was but like they were all kind of like, eh, but like I thought he was, he did a really good job. Yeah, you he know? did. Um, yeah. He stole the show. I wouldn't be torn up about it. It'll be, it'll be interesting. They keep saying like 2020 soon. And I'm like, we are almost it in October. It is soon. Yeah. Like, <laughs> expecting just like a surprise drop, honestly. Like, I don't know. And I, and like I don't know. December 31st, 2020. I need the whole weekend off. We need to like do yeah. things. Well, I think it'll probably be, do you think it'll just all go up? I think it'll be episodic. No, it'll be episodic, I think. Yeah. I think that they'll maybe release one or maybe do the weird thing that's in doing releasing three, but. I've gone full circle. I'm back to like loving episodic. Really? I, mm, I'm mixed. I love a binge, but then like, I love looking forward to something weekly. It gives us purpose. Well, that's, I think where I'm at is like, I love binging it because I want to know the story, but I feel like I get more out of it when it's, when I have to wait for it and I get to talk about it in between episodes. It it does help me meter out my content during the week because there'll be days where I'm like, oh, I have nothing. And then there'll be days where I'm like, oh, I have so many things. It's Friday. It's whatever it is, you know, like. It's so spoiled that while we're binging, I don't know, by the time I'm like episode six or seven, I, I stop appreciating the fact that I have all this content to watch. But like when you have to look forward to it and it's spread over time, it does kind of like, again, it's like, I like that. Like, for example, like maybe it's a different kind of shows. I don't know. But like Dana, you know, you like reality. We watch Housewife stuff or, or mm-hmm. the Bravo things. I would, I, I could binge one of those for sure, but I don't want to. I, like, I do yeah. want to, but I like them episodic weekly because it's like, you, oh, great, it's Tuesday. That means what's it called, Zon? Like, you know, like, yeah. I have to watch an episode of Potomac that I know aired on Sunday I haven't watched. Like, it's like, it's that kind of stuff that's like fun. So maybe it depends on the content. I think the thing about house, like, Housewives to me is I can't handle too much of it in one go because I'm like, that okay, is, it's, a lot. it's too, you know, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, 
But but I think the nice thing about like this, especially like the well-produced episodics, I like Jackie said, I have to sit with this and I can like, think about it and I can look forward to the next week and I can kind of hypothesize and, and all these things. And I think especially with a WandaVision and, and Mandalorian too, right? It's just kind of what's real, what's not is going to be the WandaVision thing. And it's going to make yeah. you cliffhang and it's going to just be like, what's happening? You know? Yeah. Um, I 100% be believe that Mandalorian would not be where it is today if it wasn't episodic. Agreed. I can see that. Like, I think it would have been popular. I'm not mm-hmm. saying it would have been popular, but I don't think it would have been the phenomenon it is today. It's not quite happen. thrilling to watch back to back to back. You know, it's more kind yeah. of like, it's a slow burn. So yeah, it totally. may be better to like have a week off in between. And I feel like we, as a society, just grew more and more interested in the story. And then it became something you had to watch. Right. And then I think we've acknowledged this, like it's not a perfect show. And so the fact that like the story doesn't progress that much each episode, if you just sat there and watched it not progress and not progress and not progress, yeah, you'd like, be like, that. Yeah. Why am I watching all of this? As opposed to being like, oh yeah, okay, it's done. Where are we going next week? Yeah. But then sometimes you have the opposite where like things progress so much that like you, it's, I don't know, it's weird. Like sometimes you need the little like, okay, great. I can take a little week between and just think about it, talk about it. But then like, God, back when let's say Heroes was on the first season, I, that was made, that show was made for me the first <laughs> season. Like, that was exactly what I wanted out of everything in TV. I couldn't watch it. I was like, I watched the first episode and I was like, okay, cool. And then I was like, I watched like three, I think. And, and I was just like, I just can't keep up with this. I just don't really care. And then it came out on DVD back when you had to buy them on DVD, if you whatever. And I randomly impulse target was just like, maybe I'll give that another go. And I dropped 50 bucks on season one of that. And I oh, sat God. there and I watched all- You really needed to get a Netflix subscription. Well, I mean, but this, I mean, this was so long ago. And I, and I sat there and I watched all 24 episodes, literally like, I don't, I barely slept. I watched them all in a row and I loved it. But like, I, for some reason, couldn't get into it weekly. And then I got so disappointed when the show just went down the drain. But I enjoyed season one, but it, apparently I needed to binge it before binging was a thing. Well, you know? I was going to say, it's funny because that's a show that was not designed to be binged necessarily. No, not at all. But, to... but I needed it, apparently. Well, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, there's some I'm shows that I'm sure I love that I wouldn't love if I had to watch weekly. Well, and it's hard because we're all people, we're movie people. We're all people who can sit there and like kind of smaller bites versus a full season of TV, of course. But now that TV is also getting to a point where it's like movie quality, if you will, in a lot of ways, we're those people who are like, I can sit there for hours and watch a, a movie. If a movie, if a movie needs to be five hours long, I want it to be five hours long, to be honest. But if it's just filling space, it doesn't Although need if it long. doesn't, then please end it at then like- please <laughs> cut it down to an hour and a half if it needs to be. I'm looking at you, Avatar. But just saying- Look at you, Martin Scorsese. Like <laughs> Anything Martin Scorsese touches, anything. Let's, let's trim this out. Like, let's take 40 minutes out of this because like that's just you flexing. But it's this thing where- if you can fill the time, you know, Jackie and I are privy to the the constant, you know, Lord of the Rings. I mean, God, back when you had to watch, switch your discs for the, the extended editions. Um, you act you as know. if I do not have like multiple versions of every box set of it. Like We haven't done it together, so I didn't want to loop that's in. That's true. That's true. That's true. <laughs> but back when that was a thing and we would do our, we call it Trilogy Tuesdays because on when Return of the King, it might come out, it was a Tuesday and we did that in the theater, we're not together. But he was looking into getting a six disc DVD player so that we wouldn't have to get up to change. Oh, honestly, <laughs> I had a Netflix subscription for six at a time DVDs back when they used to mail them to you. Yeah. Just so you it, could do that? Well, no. But okay, because I was like, I was just bought it. For, it yeah. was for seasons of TV. Mm. So I would like, I would get you know, DVDs for seasons of TV and then I would have them all in my thing. And then that way I was getting the next season or whatever it was while I was waiting for them to come in the mail. So we basically created, we created binging before streaming. 
I've been a binger since forever. Well, we basically created binging before before streaming was a thing. We're you were of, you were ahead of your time. I do think just from a pure business perspective, I was talking to someone else about this. I was like, we are at the about renewal point for Disney Plus. Like yeah. those those people who subscribe for just a year. Uh, yeah. You know, and so I think it has to be weekly because they're trying to get everyone who kind of trickled in from Mandalorian season one. And then once season two finishes, it'll be like, oh well, why, you know, do I really want to renew? WandaVision. Girl, the genius, now that you said the genius of that release schedule, because yeah, November was when it all happened, right? November 12th, I think, because I was overseas. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was I was in Prague going to Paris at the time. And I was like, I, I, I know. Just, and I was like, why haven't you watched the show? And Jackie was like, he's he's abroad. And I was like, Disney does better work. And then I downloaded it on the plane from Prague to Paris. I watched the first episode on my iPad. It's just, yeah. It's, and I and I did the same with like, I know Apple TV Plus, I dropped some stuff and I was watching things. They dropped it before that. But it's that timing. Yeah, because now we're going to start it literally late October. Or is it? This one's yeah, late October for this October one. 30th, yeah. 30th. And so every everybody who is up, smash that renew button. You're going to keep it at least through 2020 because you want to watch it, you know, yeah. so you're going to keep that. Well, uh, and Verizon gave everyone like a year free. True. If you're a Verizon customer, they did that. Well, I did the three-year deal immediately because I was like, I'll watch it. <laughs> I don't remember what I paid for. I think I just bought a year. I didn't do, I didn't even do that. I just pay monthly because I'm an idiot, but whatever, like I'm never not going to have this. So, so why, like, why are you paying monthly then? Why didn't you, know. what, what, what? I don't, I don't know. Because even I, when they did the Verizon thing, I was on my, on, on the, the company work plan. So like, I didn't get it because I have Verizon, but like, it's not my account. You know what I mean? So like, I don't know, but I, I, I think I pay for it monthly. I don't know. But either way, it just like, I, I was, when they, when they announced the app, I was like, whatever you're charging for this, I'm going to have it for the rest of my life. I'm that adult who wakes up on a Saturday morning, rolls over and puts on Sleeping Beauty or something. Like I put on a Disney movie. Almost but, oh, so why didn't you do it the second they announced it? And they were like, here's three years at this discounted rate. I was like, mm, here you go. Because I'm it wasn't even that much. It was- <laughs> yeah, no, because I'm dumb. That's why. Yeah. That's actually the only reason why. I remember, I don't know why I didn't buy three. I just bought one. It's like, it's like 150 bucks. I know. I think I was at D23 at the time. And I think I was, I was probably spending well beyond my means on other things. I have no idea. <laughs> but I just was like, whatever. I just, I don't know why. Here I am though. But Matt, get the, re- whatever the one year renewal, you know, yeah, they're going to do something. Whatever that is. That's what I should do. Yeah, yeah that's what you should offer, do. They offer another like, hey, a whole year. Like, I'll yeah. In a completely different genre, we all also watched This Is Paris. We did. We did. We did. It was, it was an experience. It, it was an experience. Expecting. Yeah. I have feelings about it. I think obviously going into, again, spoiler city here, but I think going into the allegations of abuse that, you know, the school and stuff really traumatic stuff sad like I think even just she talks so much about oh I have the same dream every night and every night and like whether that's an exaggeration or not I don't know but I like related to her in that kind of way where like I haven't gone through that I think a lot of my stress manifests in dreams also and I have had so many recurring dreams like that where you're like afraid to go to sleep because you're like well god I'm gonna have that again and when it's happening it feels so real can you imagine regardless of what actually happened at the school like I think we can all agree that the method of taking these kids to the school is confirmed enough because she's Dramatic. talking about mm-hmm. and stuff. And it's like, can you imagine these guys breaking into your room all night and grabbing you and taking you out? And, and no one will explain what's happening. And her parents didn't even. Back and your parents are there and they're in on it. Like, and they're crying. Not only are they in on it, they are the ones who have ordered it to happen. <laughs> right. Well, in such a way too. I just can't even imagine being taken from a bed in the middle of the night and it's, it's something like that like that alone is enough to I think give you some trauma especially surrounding sleeping so it's like that really broke my heart for her and I gotta say I did I met her briefly some years ago um on a shoot and she was 
so nice, so nice. And um, I had to get like clearance to use her basically in the show. And she was super, super nice. And I, that was the first time I heard her non Paris Hilton voice. Like her, she was super normal and it starts to make you think. It's interesting because she kind of, they, they talk about how she kind of is responsible for setting the tone or kind of like creating this certain kind of culture that surrounds the reality TV star, but also like social media and all these things. She, she is the original influencer. Yes, the original influencer. And it is very true. And it's this, and you look at it and it, I think she has such a deep need and desire in her life for love and acceptance from people and to be liked by people that like she feeds off of that so much. And it's a brutal double-edged sword as we know because fame is cruel and people are cruel also. But the character that she went and played you know, we're not sure how much of it's real and how much of it she's creating, whatever, but is she decided to go in and play it and a moron? You know what I mean? So, um, for the time being, when you are going to play that character, yeah, people are going to think you're funny, but people are laughing at you. They're not laughing with you. They're not like, oh, that Paris, she's so funny. They're like, you know, oh. you quote, you know, but they're like, she's a dumb blonde. She can't just know how to mop. Yeah. It's hard. Well, and it was hard to watch like the sex tape stuff, yeah. you know, especially from the perspective of today, because mm-hmm. back then we all felt the same way. We were like, oh, that slut. Yeah. We were wrong, obviously, you know, and it's just terrible to see sort of her have to deal with that. Like that just shows you the shift in, in society and stuff. And we, you know, we have so much more progress to do, but even if she released the tape herself and wanted it out there, or whatever, she shouldn't be labeled that. That's like, right. whatever. but the guy doesn't get any, it's like, well, of course he's going to want to film it. It's a guy. So it's like, whatever. But like the fact that she went along with it, like, oh my gosh, like who raised her? You kind of, I don't know if you, you guys, but I honestly kind of, I know that the sex tape exists, but I kind of forgot about it in a way and how, how much of it, how much it had to do with the kind of her crea- the creation of this, of her. Agreed, this- I forgot yeah. too. I, I know it so much with like the Kardashian kind of thing, because you know, you people attribute the Kardashian fame, obviously Kim through Paris, but with the sex tape leak. And so people attribute that and it's like kind of like the Paris one kind of went out of my mind in a weird well, way. I think, I think in a way like Kim, ironically overshadowed her by living in that path. I, I didn't know for the longest time that Kim was part of her posse and that's yeah. how she had been launched to fame. I found out who, who Kim Kardashian was because of the sex tape and I was like, I don't don't really know who this is and I barely know who like Ray J was the guy for it. Yeah, like, I was like, oh, he's... Yeah, that's, and that's how I knew him. I was like, that's okay. Well, that's a name I know, you know. So I'm, I'm not like a Kardashian person, but I did watch The Simple Life a little bit. And to me, I'm like, I, I respected her vulnerability in this. And I, at the same time though, I kept being like, yet you still are very rich yeah. and very successful. And there are people who've gone through traumas that, and that's not to invalidate her trauma. And, but I was, I kept, every once in a while, I'd be like, but you're doing okay. Or you have the resources to like deal with these things. Well, I mean, part of me was always like, okay, well, you actually have the money to go to therapy and to do the things yes. that you need to do to get over it. Yeah. I'm not saying that, like, mm-hmm. I wouldn't shame people for taking their time and needing to do what they need to do. But my favorite part of that, though, was her mom. Her mom, who was like, oh, yeah, and the first couple siblings got millions and millions of dollars. Yeah. We have to work. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Like, <all> right. <laughs> I mean, it really did. I mean, it, the funny part is, is they look like they tried to make the the mom not look terrible, despite the fact that she's the one who sent her to the camps and did all stuff. Yeah. Like they had kind of kid gloves with the mom in a way that I didn't really expect, but she still came off as pretty terrible. I think Kathy Hilton is, is um, 
she's a character and I think not in like a funny, funny way, but I mean, she's, you know, she's somebody and I kind of look at it in this way, almost kind of like a Christianer thing where I think that the producers tiptoed around her because they wanted cooperation. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think, I think having, I was surprised that Kim was there, but I was like, I don't think you could have done this without Kim being there. I think the people would have asked questions, but she was in it for such a brief moment. I was like, okay, you know. And that was nice to see her. And it was nice yeah. to see Kyle, her aunt Kyle a little bit. And for me, so it's funny for me, I like, I'm such a Bravo person that I was yeah. like, of course Kyle found a way to be in this. I know, I was like, because I was like, okay, I think Kyle's talking now or what? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, you know, seeing her and then, of course, having footage with Chris and there and stuff. And it was interesting. But she is that kind of original. And like you kind of said, the Kardashian kind of thing kind of took the torch and kind of ran with it. And you hear less and less about Paris and so much about them. But you look at like the early days and how it is so kind of kindred the way it kind of started. And it's the same production company, you know, who started yeah. Kardashian Simple Life. So it's like, where do you think they met Kim? It's, it's just very, the trajectory of it all is very interesting. And it's all such, while she's the original influencer, I've always said this about the Kardashians too. It's all such a moment in time that you just can't recreate. Like it would never work again. It's a perfect storm. Yep. Yeah, it really was. But you know, I thought even just objectively, I thought the the documentary was. Um, it, I was captivated the whole time. I wasn't like, oh my god, this is amazing. I have to rewatch over and over. I got emotional for her in certain parts, but I thought it was well made. I thought mm -hmm. it was like, okay, this is a decently, this is a well made documentary. Yeah. I was happy to watch. And if someone was halfway interested in it, I'd say, yeah, watch it. Agreed. I'm giving it the Oscar for like best doc or something. Yeah, you know? I, I think it was very smart of her to put it on her own YouTube page for yeah. free. I was like, that is the smartest thing she could have done with this. Yeah, absolutely. And it could have had like, I guess, a run at festival circuits. I'm not sure if it did at any of the different mm -hmm. kinds of, it may have. but uh, you know, you could do that. But yeah, I think that doing the YouTube release was really smart. And, you know, I got to say in quarantine, I, I was watching her, her cooking show. I thought it was hysterical. She had a cooking show? We talked about it a little in the doc, but she was like, still playing the character a little bit, but she's like, okay, I, yeah. and I watched her like, like lasagna or something. And she's like, you just put like a lot of cheese. And she's just like throwing off, <laughs> like, actually she, she just knows the recipe, but it seems like it's, she's taking it seriously. And then she's like holding her dog while she's doing it. I'm like, this is, you know, not sanitary. But I thought it was, I was just watching because I thought it was hilarious when I'd be like cooking something. Well, I mean, I think that's the thing is like, I think we're learning now to give credit to these sort of brilliant minds that did these things at a time that, that struck where the iron was hot, right? I mean, she figured out how to make money off of being infamous, you yeah. know? Yeah. And she figured out that this is the character that people wanted me to play, right? This is who they thought, you know, I was or whatever. And I mean, I think she's trying to show in the doc that it was some sort of skin to protect her from memories and things, but I think it's still brilliant. And coming up with the selfie so that she stopped getting followed because she could sell her own pictures. Like, so, so genius. Um, I was reading, oh my God, what's her name? Emily, R R I cannot pronounce her na last name. Emily, R-A-T-A-J-K-O-W-S-K-I. Sure. Okay. Either way, she's a model. She was in, oh, she was in uh, Robin Thicke's Blurred Lines, which is where she kind of like catapulted to. She just published this uh, write-up about taking back her image and that I guess she had been uh, seduced is the wrong word, conned? Not even that, I don't, I don't know. But, you know, basically some photographer took erotic photos of her. She, she agreed to do them, but then he used them far beyond the purpose of what the original agreement for the shoot was. Manipulated. Yeah, and, th and then he had this whole, he put out a book of her, all of her photos. And then he had like a show, or like a gallery show and all this stuff. And she's like, this is not what these were meant for. Like, I didn't agree to this. You are making money off of my image, et cetera, et cetera. And looking at that in terms of being in control of your own image. 
is mm-hmm. you know she's like okay well somebody somebody did somebody else does a show with her work i think it's, they maybe they did a painting of her instagram like she posted a photo on instagram and then they did a painting of it right but it's like a very realistic painting and this painting is worth however much money but she's like well that's my image that's my photo like yeah. how does this work and i think paris hilton figuring out that okay well being in charge of your own image is something that is semi-revolutionary but shouldn't be you know it's so bonkers that like these women and and yes men to a lesser degree but like it's mostly women who are being targeted by the paparazzi etc are really just not in control of their own image and so paris hilton fighting so hard to regain control especially after the sex tape i think is well just create an image to kind of be like well this is going to be this what you think i am because it's what i want you to think i am for whatever reason and one quote that i actually appreciated in, in kind of respect to what you were just talking about was I thought it was interesting when she was talking about the sex tape and she was emotional and she said, you know, it was like being virtually raped. And I thought that was really powerful because I was like, you know, like it, it in this way you're being maybe, maybe raped isn't the word. Maybe it's like you're just, but you're exposed. You but know? it's violating. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. It's, it's without your consent. It's both on you and it's yeah. you're assaulted. And so what you were just talking about um, with Emily, we can't say her last name right now, but it, yeah. it's very like that where it's like, it's violating. And she it's was like, unfortunately also violated during this photo shoot, which is like yeah. extra traumatic, but. <laughs> all this trauma on top of it. And then it's this constant reminder like, oh, that day. Yeah. And so, like, that's the tragedy of it all. That's just so awful. And it's like, when you look at these, this fascination we have, especially with social media and, the, you know, Twitter and this and that, and it's a great tool because you can see unfiltered thoughts from these celebrities who are actually saying things and some of it puts them in hot water. Some of them, you feel like con- more connected to them, right? Than you would have. 15 years ago. And it's great, but it, it makes us all think that we are also all just privy. Like we deserve to know mm-hmm. everything going on in your life, even for reality stars. And I like Bravo stuff. I, you know, had, I worked in reality TV for years. It's a thing where we think we're entitled to it. And it's like, right. oh, well, you're on a show, you signed up for this, you, you know, all of this is fair game, blah, blah. And it's like, mm, Ooh, how, is it- how, keep in mind, these people are crafting characters on these shows. No one's being cast to be themselves because that's not interesting. None of us are. Right. I mean, that's, that's what Lisa Rinna kept saying this season on just like Beverly Hills. She's like, you signed up for this. You said, that's what all the women were saying. You know, they like, you signed up for this. And I'm like, and I'm like, oh, clearly you signed I'm up for part of it. Clearly I'm, I'm pretty team Denise here in that, you know, sorry, <laughs> you don't know about that. What's going on there. But I'm just like, it's a thing where, are you telling me any, any housewife in the world in their second season didn't decide to tighten up and try to craft their image a little better because they didn't like some of the things they saw in their first season. You just, you can't let her live. You're just kind of like, let me, you know, and oh, you're lying about this. Just be honest. And it's just a thing where it's like, I don't have to tell you squat about what I'm doing in my personal life. It's none of your business. And if I'm going to lie and say, no, I didn't do this or I'm going to whatever, move on. It didn't, it doesn't affect you, you know, that we deserve it. And it's crazy. And so that's a really sad thing. And then it's like, you do the Paris thing or you do like the Beyonce thing. If you have the ability to do it where Beyonce, we only know what Beyonce wants us to know. Mm-hmm. We know nothing about Beyonce's personality. Absolutely not. Beyonce could be a piece of wet tofu and we wouldn't know. That's how good she is. I don't think she's a piece of wet tofu, but I'm just saying that's how good she, you know. If she was, we'd all have this profound appreciation for wet tofu now. 100%. But she has found that, that wonderful area where maybe, I don't know if it's wonderful, maybe being that secret kind of sucks. And no, it's gotta be horrible. She's found that way of kind of like, you know, I said this about the, the Smiths too, like, you know, Will and Jada, obviously there was some weird scandal stuff that they were trying to pin on them in the recent years about affairs and stuff, which, you know, who knows what's true and what's not. However, I always thought, yeah, you know, they stay relatively under the radar. You don't really hear, you don't see them on Us Weekly. Like, you know, like being like, oh, this and that until a few years ago. But if you can achieve that, where you can 
still have a, a, an avid fan base and give them just enough to keep them loving you without having to divulge everything that's going on in your life. But I feel like it must just require so much effort. And I think we actually, did we talk about this? Chadwick Boseman, for example, you know, it's like the amount of effort it must have taken to keep something personal that nobody else is entitled to know, you know, that is unfortunately traumatic and and sad and upsetting to yourself because the second it gets out, it's no longer, it, it just becomes this whole different beast, right? You're already dealing with such stressful stuff and then multiply that by the weight of the world or the eyes of the world, you know, that's gotta be exhausting. And so even in a lesser example of like a, you know, God, I can't believe I'm about to compare Chadwick Boseman and Paris Hilton, but you know, it's, it, it is, it's, it's like any, any public persona, right? Like the amount of, you have to decide the amount of effort you're going to put into this. And like, I don't think Paris had the luxury of somebody having forged that path to a degree. Right. But I also think that like, we can, we should talk about how we view disability, like as a country. Right. I mean, her PTSD is a disability, right? Mm-hmm. Chadman Bozeman having cancer is a disability and we view those things in a way that makes someone lesser right and makes them feel like they have to hide these things and if they want to and they need it to be private fine but I think that there is something to be said about the fact that we want disability or we want these people to be superhuman and we want to to wipe those things under the rug when in reality the 25% of Americans deal with some sort of disability. We start seeing them as just kind of broken instead of just like a whole person. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you're like, oh yeah. And you're like, and then you're- It defines like, them. And then, you know, if we had known it about Chadwick all the, for the years, when you bring up Chadwick Boseman, this and that, whatever, it would always come out of your mouth also that it's like, oh God, it's just so sad. I wonder how he's doing. And like- Cancer this, survivor, you know, like, Chadwick and, Boseman, right. you know? And maybe he wouldn't have gotten those roles, right? Because studios would be worried. Oh, I don't think he would have. I don't think insurance would have. If we had a better, you know, view of these things that people can go through, right? And we supported them instead of, you know, forcing them to hide. I don't know. We'd be better off. We had some empathy. You know, I talked with a friend recently about even just like cancel culture and things like that too. And that's kind of getting a little off here, but just, we are so as a, we as a whole, I don't think any of us are doing this, but we're so ruthless. Just feel so entitled and totally fine going on and just tearing someone to shreds on a comment. Cause it's just, Oh my God, like whatever. I just don't like this person. So I'm going to go on here and just spill this vitriol. And just like, I, 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 in some working with different cast members and, you know, talent on reality shows and stuff like these people read this stuff. Like they really do. It, it hurts them and it, it affects them and this and that. And it's, I know it's like, oh, well, you signed up for it. You're signing up. I'm like, no, no one signs up to be abused. Like you don't sign up and be like, oh, go ahead and do, you know, have your way, whatever you want. It's like, no, there's still people. And the whole kind of like, I get, I've, I've said, oh, they're canceled or this. I get it. But like, imagine reading, I think Taylor Swift said it, but imagine reading thousands of people all in one day at one time, sending something to you saying you are canceled. Like imagine what that would feel like to your like psyche. It's a lot. It's something that it's, the good should still outweigh the bad. And I feel like social media allows sometimes the bad to outweigh the good. I know. I was like, this is, I mean, this is just a larger conversation. Talk about the fact that like, you know, my boss says, I want to have a meeting and I'm in a panic attack for the next, like however long until the meeting. If I had more than one person, like having to judge my whole existence, like how stressful that would be, right? That took me a minute to make that. I was like, wait, what? Yeah, um, yeah I, I, get, I get what you're saying in that it's the it's the kind of like the your fate goes from being in one person's hands to like all of swayable society's hands right and it's not actually your fate you're probably going to be fine in mm-hmm. most yeah but no, there it's are, not like this job yeah. would be the end of me right. but it's like it would feel like it right and so yeah. if you have you know thousands and hundreds of thousands of people saying this stuff at you it feels like 
everything you've worked for is falling apart too. And they're judging you as a person. Yeah. And so to know? bring back to the Paris stuff, it's like literally, again, she didn't have a roadmap for it. And so it's just so interesting because again, she, we see things, she's an original influence, like they said in that. And, and it's like, there was not a handbook. Now you could read the Paris handbook. You can read the Lindsay Lohan handbook. You can read the Amanda Bynes handbook. You can read things about these things that have happened, these stars and this and that, and the effects of it that we're more privy to now. But it's like, that was uncharted territory in a lot of ways. And it, I'm glad that she has come out on their side and is like, she still has a lot of work to do, I think, on her um, emotional stability in a lot of ways, like the relationship stuff and things like that. But I'm glad that she seems, she seems very sad, but she seems more kind of like, still more, more of a whole person and like trying to- She's turned a corner in the sense that she wants to like take her part back. I like the DJ thing for her, I think is a nice release. I think it's cool. I would totally, I mean, I would have anyway, but if we if we could never do that again, I would totally go to a, a Paris DJ set. Oh, see, I would not only because I'm like, I'm sure the cost to go would be- Oh, well, yeah, but I mean- yeah, But I'm also, I'm also just like, even before the pandemic, I was like, crowds. <laughs> but even though like, and it was kind of interesting to even see that relationship. That was out. my favorite. Not my favorite part, but I thought that was like, I was like, oh. That had to be real. That was just The like, director spoke, and, and that was the only part I think that Paris wanted them to cut and the director wouldn't cut. Yeah. And this and this is ironic because I think it was like kind of like, you signed up for this, but it is really, in this case, it's like, you really did sign up for this documentary. And I don't think it's harmful and I don't think it's whatever. I think it was important. No, it proves her point yeah. that she didn't understand boundaries because of the abuse she suffered as a kid, right? Yeah, and like watching that crumble and fall apart in that relationship, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I don't think anyone watched that and thought Paris was in the wrong. Like, I know she, she got really upset, but I was like, this guy is like going crazy here. Like, this is just like, I mean, I don't know. It felt very... Well, I liked that she finally kicked him out. I was like, oh, good. Because I was like worried that she wasn't going to because she seemed to be begging him for... See, yeah. I, I wanted her to just kick him out and that be the end of it. And having her... Like, I thought this was why I was like, oh, this feels very real is because I was like, okay, we've all, we've all been there. You know, we've had that moment of, I've made this decision. This this career moment is more important for me. Get out. But yeah. she then she'd be like, no, please stop. No, come back. No, okay, but we, no, just take his worth down. Take his worth down. No. And, and that I've related to it, but I was also like, be stronger, Paris, be stronger. Like, I want you to be stronger right now. I want to be stronger, but I mean, I guess I was on her side about like, yeah, what, like this guy freaking out over this. And it's like, and you're going to do this minutes before she's about to walk on to the biggest set she's been it on. It was manipulative. Absolutely. But, yeah. but I was like, if this is that important to you, Paris, then just tell, get out. He's done. Like, yeah. you have, you have the agency. Do it. She did do it eventually, like, yeah. and that's, that's exactly, that's what felt so real about it was that it was like not clean and it wasn't yeah. whatever. And even later she's talking in the uh, confessional about how, oh yeah, that's like the meanest thing you can do to someone at a, at a, a festival. Yeah, right? I was like, okay. <laughs> I was like, okay, you know. I believe her, but. <laughs> yeah, but I also think it's just one of those moments where you're looking back at your own thing and you're like, God, was I too harsh? No, you weren't. No, she wasn't. I think her she when she was yelling and then she like ripping it off his wrist, whatever it kind of like obviously in her that was like no, we never want to react like that. Like we don't want we she shouldn't have touched him. Like we don't want to react like that ever. So of course, even though he deserved to be thrown out in my mind, it's right. a thing where like of course she's gonna look back and be like, well, did I over did I overdo it? Right. However, he deserved it. You know. So it's like I get yeah. that. The other eye-opening moment for me was when she was talking about, and this was, this was sad, but I was also like, okay, well, the fact that you can afford to do this, when she was talking about how she replaces the laptops mm -hmm. every time she gets that a new relationship. I was like, oh my God, you need new boyfriends? Like, if this is- But also, I was like, you know what? That's 
probably a legitimate concern for her. It's, you know, crazy that she can afford to replace a laptop every time she has a new relationship, but I get why she's doing it. And that's a sad reality. And it's like watching, and then the one that she's showing that the boyfriend had like slammed it down or whatever, and it was all banged up or whatever. Dang, that was interesting. I gotta say that. I was like, oh, you must be very isolated. That to me felt sad. This is, this. Oh. there is a cost to this. Like, yes, you have a, do have a lot of trade-offs, but like the Well, fact- I mean, she, you know, one of her first relationships she even talks about was like one of her first relationships and he's the one who sold her out. Right. Yeah. Well, and can we talk about the fact that she like the, those two fans that were kind of highlighted and she was, oh. he thought of them as more like genuine than her real friends or authentic. Mm-hmm. That worried me. But it's a thing where it's like, but how, when you are that level, and that's why I'm glad, even though I think Nikki kind of plays like a harsh critic on her, was a little mean to her, but I think that she kind of grounds her a little bit. With oh, yeah, I was like, oh, this is a, these are siblings. Yeah, no, totally. Like, I wasn't like, yeah, I'm like, a- everyone here has sisters. We all like. And I think Nikki, that's what I'm so happy that Nikki is in her life. Because I was watching that being like, God, as someone who really values his friendships, and I'm very close to my sister as well, but really great friendships that I value, man, to feel like when you are a celebrity, I think this is something all celebrities kind of face, always have to wonder the motives behind the person who who you're getting to know. And it's like, do you just want to be with me or hang out with me or whatever because of who I am? Or do you actually like me? Or are you trying to make yourself like me because of who I am? And how can you ever crack that and get through? That's why when celebrities marry us common folk, I'm always kind of like, how like good for you and I'm happy I hope it's love and it works but like I'm like I get why they marry each other (laughs) because it's like you want someone who you think's not taking from you you know well it's a power it's a power right at the end of the day it's power and who has more to gain and who has more to lose from this which does not make for a partnership you know in most cases you know and you want an equal if you want a lasting relationship right so that's that's why when the, the dude showed up and she was like freaking out I was like over whatever it was I was like oh this is nope that's the end he is not here for you I thought I had maybe, this is where I did get invested in this documentary because I was like, oh, I'd hope maybe I don't hold any ill will towards her. I want to see her happy. And then, you know, to see this crumble. And as soon as he started that thing, I was like, oh no. Yeah, you're not here promoting me. And I was like, oh, you waited X amount of time before playing that card because you knew you could only play it once and it backfired. And I also appreciated to that point that you were saying, of course, I wanted to be happy too. But I was talking to another friend about it, the amount of relationships that she has been in and always is kind of posting about it being like, oh, I just didn't know I could be loved this way and blah, blah. And it's always this and that perfect. And I like that they touched on that with the previous boyfriend. I guess it was an engagement. I think it broke off, but kind of saying that it's like she's acknowledging and we all do this is the thing is like when you're showboating on social, we're always putting our best foot forward on social, our best mm-hmm. lives and the best take of the thousand photos that were taken of you and being like, oh, just having fun. And it's like, okay, but obviously you think you look hot there or something. We all do that. And so when you see a relationship who's overly infatuated with each other publicly on social, you're like, well, how real is this? Because you're really showboating for us here. And I thought it was interesting. I liked that. I wanted more on it, honestly. I could have sat there and listened to her like go in on it for 20 minutes, but I appreciated the acknowledgement that she's like, I just kind of, I do that and give what I think the world wants to see. Mm-hmm. Like, deep inside she's actually kind of like oh maybe this isn't right and so watching the gesture when I think they were in Mykonos and seeing like he did the rose petals in the bed and stuff and she sat there and she's like that's really sweet and she's like you could tell she was she wasn't into it yeah this is a gesture that should make me happy but I'm not really feeling that like you know so that's so from the other point of view not that I agree with how he acted at all it's kind of like you it makes you wonder someone who is so closed off in that way and protective because she feels she has you can get in how can you really get in? And that has to get frustrating too. So it's, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. It's, I, yeah, it's, it's just like, these are very human emotions on a very exaggerated playing field, right? Okay. Well, these are things that, yeah, any, any regular, not regular, I don't even know how to describe us, any pleb <laughs> could be experiencing 
just in a, in more, you know, on a yacht. But it was kind of funny when she kept being like, I've never had a vacation. I haven't had a vacation. Oh yeah. I was like, you can have one though. Like that's a very different, like stop comparing yourself to people who literally cannot afford to take vacations or time off. You right. could take as much time off as you wanted. Yeah, and you're, you, you have set this insane goal for yourself. Yeah. You have chosen not to take vacations. That is not the same thing. In live time, she was like, oh, I, I wish, like never. Like, you know, like, like kind of like, because she, she wants to make the money. And so he's like, yeah, you're greedy. And so it's yeah. like, yeah. but yeah, you're complaining about something that you're not allowing yourself to fix in any way. And so, but that is something that's very relatable to me. Like I, I have to say like, overall takeaway, I think just Harris as a person, this was something that really did succeed at making me feel like I could relate to her in mm-hmm. a way I never felt before. Totally. Yep. So I think it was successful in that. I, I agree. I, I think I gained a level of respect for her out of this. Yeah. And I don't think I didn't respect her before necessarily, but I, you know, I, she wasn't just, she was not, she was nothing, you know, in my, she was a caricature is really what she was. Exactly. When she was a bit of a joke almost, you know, to yeah. me. Ways. not in a bad way just in a like a happy way like I was like oh I find her funny yeah I'm sure there are times where yeah. I've just like spoken ill of her you know like I don't she, it's part because the persona she curated right but I think the older I get also the more I'm like oh okay I get what you, I get what you did there <laughs> like the character characters she created while well, I've laughed at certain things she said and done like whatever I don't want to be friends with that person no character feeling to me yeah if you've said ill things whatever it's like yeah she didn't create a character that's the most ideal human (laughs) so so no one should feel bad about that but if you ever went on a forum or went on some picture and commented and said you should kill yourself then like okay well you're a dick if you don't like this person it doesn't mean that you should be abusing them you know so there's that line of just kind of like yeah I'm, i'm sure i've just been like oh what a dumbass which is exactly the personality she was curating so in that sense now i respect her for being so successful at curating being a dumbass. <laughs> well, and I think even just the older I get, the more I understand like how much work it is to do the things that they do. You oh know, God, how exhausting must that be for her to have this? Or, or like you just must lose yourself in it at some point, right? Like you must not know. There must be times when you don't know where reality ends and like character Paris kicks in and and real well, Paris. She, I mean, I think. I mean, there was plenty of confessionals where it felt like she didn't know who she was before the character. No, it's all that vocal fry when when she you hear like there were times when she didn't have it and then to be talking and kind of have it a little bit. And it's like the vocal fry is kind of the, the thing, you know? The, yeah. Yeah. That's her character. But she would kind of slip in and out of it, you know, when talking being, I'm real Paris here. She's gone method. She went Daniel Day-Lewis on it. She went too far in. But it's like, you could be said about other reality stars too, but when you live this life of, of that kind of thing and you are curating the image to the public, the two have to combine and become one at some point. It's yeah. like, that's not going to be a thing you're going to be ever, because you're going to start kind of morphing into the other, like, you know what I mean, in some ways. So I'm sure that's a whole interesting psychology paper, just trying to figure out how to like, how do you re-separate those pieces? You know what I mean? If you want to kind of. I mean, or can you, right? Like, is this also one of those psychopath test type things, you know, can only a certain type of person have the energy to maintain two separate personalities? Must be a Gemini. (laughs) (laughs) Cancer, don't make me cry. (laughs) <laughs> I think that might be the perfect ending. Must be a Gemini. All right. Well, um, the Paris Hilton documentary is on her YouTube page for free with commercials. I'd I'd say check it out. I think I think it's worth. Hundred percent worth it. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say check it out. I think I think that for sure is a is a good thing to do. It's relatively painless. I would I, honestly I would watch like I would watch the Simple Life 
they probably did two already. So I would watch the real version of it. I would like to follow more of real Paris if she was willing to be as vulnerable as she was in yeah. this thing and be like, what is, what is your life? I guess it wouldn't be the simple life, right? It'd be the complex life. Yeah, and be right. like, what is she doing now? This could have been a cool, actually, like a, a limited series. It could, because cool. I, I could have used more. Yeah, so yeah. like it could have been a full instead of just doing a docu-film. It felt like two separate bits kind of mushed together a little bit because there's the whole trauma side of it and then there's the the trauma that comes from being a celebrity and then there, I think the trauma from her like childhood experiences. And they're, they're definitely interwoven, but I think some of them are just separate. I, it kept it, it kept on teasing the trauma, this and that, and then the nightmare. But it kind of kept it was being so quiet until later in the film, where you finally learn exactly what was happening. And, and even then, it's still a little. Even then, it's pretty toothless, honestly. Like I thought they would go in depth a little more, which yeah. they don't. We don't need that. It's not our whatever. But this isn't antebellum. It's not torture porn. <laughs> you know, and I and having the other the other women there um, was powerful, and I, I liked when they were all doing their thing and filming, and I thought yeah. that was. But I don't um, think that was the strongest part of the, the entire. No, I agree. I agree. That's the thing. So I, I agree with that. It kind of it, it is a little disjointed there, um, and that might have been something that, if it was a limited series, could have fleshed all of that out more in a way that just kind of made more cohesion. But yeah, yeah enjoyable watch. It's sad, but enjoyable watch. Agreed. Cool. Yeah. Well, thank you both. Yeah. Thanks for having. Me.